That's how it starts. The fever, the rage, the feeling of powerlessness that turns good men cruel. Welcome. I'm Andrew Dice. And I'm Stephen Colbert. And this is Batman v Superman by the Minute, a podcast re-watching Batman v Superman Dawn of Justice Ultimate Edition one minute at a time and discussing it for many multiples of that. We have reached minute 58. We've concluded the, I guess like, well, I'll say first movement of the Superman controversy, the Batman origin and trauma, and Lois has taken the bullet from very first scenes in Nairomi to now be identified in a plotline that was largely, if not completely, removed from the theatrical cut that is now about to lock into place about what is truly going on here. And I guess even at this point, like, you wouldn't even really know Lex is connected yet. Yeah, because we haven't seen him associated with KG Beast or... We just know that Bruce is trying to find him. Yeah. That they are coincidentally linked, but we are about to find, thanks to the investigative skills of Barbara Gordon slash Carrie Kelly slash Jeanette Clyburn. We could know that. If you're connecting the dots, you could know um, he's connected because Bruce taps KG Beast's phone in the Fight Club, and that's how he finds Lex, and we know that KG Beast was in Africa. The importance of the bullet itself, it isn't until you see the image of the bullet on the screen that Someone would think, this is a very strange-looking round. <laughs> but we do know that it came from Lex Luthor because the Bruce and the club connected KGBs to Lex. We know it. Lois doesn't. Correct. Neither does Jeanette. Or as Jeanette would say... Could be DARPA black box. Who could find out? Nobody who'd want to. Maybe they gave them out to the rebels to test in theater. Using live soldiers as guinea pigs? And this is what makes you such a good reporter. Stuff like this still shocks you. I don't think it's ever actually stated in the movie, but yeah, I guess I always assumed that this was Lex using Kryptonian metal to make bullets. Yeah, that's an interesting thought. I never even put that together. Because she says she's never even seen a metal like this. Oh, true. Maybe that would make... So he he was trying to make bullets that could defeat Superman. Yeah, I was always assuming that it was a sign that Lex was trying to weaponize Kryptonian material. Right, which is something that we know he was from from the um, official prequel comics that were partnered with Dr. Pepper, which is the best way to expand canon. I don't know if it was the Dr. Pepper one or the Doritos one, but... <laughs> But we did, I, it, um, but that was definitely a, a thing in those comics, though. Was um, Bruce too, actually? But um, but Lex was definitely trying to make weapons from Kryptonian tech. If you were wondering why, I think Jeanette comes through with the suggestion that that is actually not that strange to take ammunition and hand it over to rebels, uh, as opposed to the military. I assume the military would not be having you know a tag day for please give us any bullets you have, but supplying the rebels with ammunition to test them and we get to look at what happens when these hit people. Lois suggests that that is crazy to use people as guinea pigs to be shot with these and Jeanette tells her in a line that could be lifted for probably any time in history, this is why you're such a good reporter. This stuff still shocks you. 
it is the first thing we come at. You know, we we have such a a, a set and like a brutally honest picture of what military intervention and like subterfuge looks like around the world that she's like, yeah, it could probably be this. Yeah. And the fact that in the way she plays it off so casually, I think even kind of slowballed it past me a few times when watching. It's not that I missed necessarily what she was saying, but I only catch it because of her kind of teasing Lois about it. In a movie that that wants to spell it a little bit more, she would be like, how would <gasps> oh, this, you yeah. know? Yeah, exactly. But I don't, it doesn't trigger me as, as weird when she mentions it. It's when Lois is like, wait, you mean using live soldiers as guinea pigs? And then she's like, oh, Lois. Yeah, that's why you're, that's why you're you. Yeah. Again, I don't think we have the full, I think it's it's part of what makes this storyline so satisfying to me after the fact is that you don't really understand all these pieces until the end. And it's not an artificial, artificially opaque story too. Like we know more than, we know more than Lois about it because we've got more of the puzzle pieces because we've been following Bruce. And so it's not like a mystery that just hides the answer from you until the end. No, it's still interesting to to watch too because we don't know the specific facts that she's finding out. Like they're both assembling two different sides exactly. of the story. And I think obviously without this you have a lot of more people unable to unable to see the plot that Lex put together because a lot of it is just not shown. Well, and we still don't. I mean, like you even said that was an angle I never thought of was this is Kryptonian could be Kryptonian tech. And so that asks a lot more questions that the movie doesn't even get into, but maybe could have been part of an expanded plot that got slimmed down even more of, was he, you know, he's looking for a way to kill Superman and he's using Kryptonian metals and, and whatnot, minerals to to do it. So is this a, a prototype of something? Was he hoping that Superman would get shot by these in the desert? Or did he know that people would discover, the government would discover them in the desert, analyze them and be like, hey, wait, these are made of the same metal as that ship that crashed? You know, because there's a, there's an element of, you know, we're blaming Superman presence throughout this that would kind of capitalize on that. And for time, maybe that was cut out or maybe it's just a I don't know. There's all sorts of extra details that could add to it that it doesn't get into. But I think merits additional exploration. Not that it's not satisfying without that, but I think it there's a lot more questions that could be asked about it that are fascinating. The fact that Lex outfitted his men with Kryptonian bullets, says a lot in itself. Well, because even if someone were to trace it back to him, you know, like Lois is tracing it back to him, obviously, but if anybody else were to try to trace it, it would have gone back to Superman. Yeah. Right? They yeah. wouldn't trace Kryptonian bullets to Lex, they'd tra trace it to, to Superman. That's enough lab work. Let's get into the real high-paced, energetic backdrop of the Daily Planet offices. And the desk of Clark Kent. You know, Clark, that's what makes you such a good reporter. Stuff like this still shocks you. He can't get anybody else interested in this story, but it's kind of, he's the only one that seems to be kind of offended by or concerned about this. And it's very similar to, you know, it's something that he, I think, goes to show that sort of Superman character or maybe a little bit of Lois rubbing off on him or both of, of like, this is not okay. Why does nobody care about this as much as I do? So it's great to cut straight to that from, you know, from Jenna Malone kind of almost patronizing Lois like that. Yeah, and it's a nice reminder that despite what some other people might claim in this movie, 
I do give a damn about Clark Kent taking on the Batman. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, it's, you bought a ticket for it. I, I will point out that Clark is is visiting the, the Gotham Free Press. Good journalism being done all over the place. But I really, really like, I, I took screen caps of all of this stuff. There are a few things that jump out. Have you gone through the screen caps and read all of this? I I started to, and then I was like, you know what? That's the kind of thing Dice is going to do, and he's going to be way more <laughs> thorough than you. You can use your time better looking at something else. Apparently, someone else at the Daily Planet is doing their job here, because there's a Daily Planet story mixed in here. But the first one that Clark goes to is uh, from the Gotham Free Press by B. Elliott, Batman acting as judge, jury, and executioner. Important to remember those words as words that Clark has searched and is reading on the computer at his work uh, for, for reasons to, to consider going forward. But uh, has Gotham's caped crime fighter gone too far? The other one that jumps out, dozens of criminals marked with the Bat brand. This is from Daily, the Daily Planet story, so we know that someone else is taking interest. But the, the line below the title on that one is victim safety at risk within Gotham's notorious Blackgate Penitentiary. The quote-unquote criminals that Batman is bringing in are being referred to as victims of the Batman. Like, it's the first time that I think I might have ever seen someone refer to the criminals who are beaten by Batman and left for the police as his victims. Mm -hmm. Raises the stakes of what we're talking about. Again, this is the Daily Planet, not Gotham. So, for contrast, the Gotham story, has Gotham's caped crime fighter gone too far? Like, if you compare just the tone of those two things. Gotham knows more about him than one might expect. But I think we also get the, the date on the computer, which tells us that like 20 or so days have passed since the library fundraiser. Okay. Which, again, we kind of talked about you wouldn't know how much time is passing here, but it is yeah. weeks. So I will recite for you, Stephen, the article by B. Elliott, if I may. You may. Accompanied by a photo of one such Bat-branded victim. A controversial crime deterrent allegedly being employed by the Batman, no Bat vigilante by the Batman, is raising new concerns over vigilantism in Gotham and the issue of prisoner safety within our troubled city's crowded prisons. Within the past month, there have been 18 reports of violent criminals unwillingly being marked with Bat brands, a large Bat symbol burned directly into their flesh, seemingly for the purpose of attracting violence from other prisoners. Perhaps most disturbing is that many of the victims received their brands before even facing trial for their alleged crimes. We then have a quote from Harvey, but we don't know if that is from Dent or Bullock. The quote from the inside of the justice system here, Batman is acting as judge, jury, and executioner, and the GCPD seems to be complicit. If the GCPD endorses masked vigilantes as our city's watchman, who watches the watchman? A person watching this movie is not going to be expected to read this article, but I think the fact that it is read there for me to read now to you and pass on the way that got, that Batman is being seen by police, by the justice system, by the press in the city, potentially, I would assume, the district attorney who is in Bat lore a good guy. I mean, 20 years in Gotham, how many good guys are left? Are you sure that's... We don't know where we don't know where on the arc we are here with this, but and also how they are seen by people outside of Gotham, people from across the harbor where things are nicer. Criminals are being marked with the Bat brand and being made victims of 
with their safety being put at risk within Gotham's notorious Blackgate Penitentiary. And we cut to what looks like a mercy. Our, our friend Caesar from earlier in the movie, who was a victim of one such bat brand, has been, I guess, because he'll die if he gets put into the Gotham prison system, he is being brought to Metropolis instead. Well, don't they also say that there's no room in Gotham? Well, they said consider yourself thankful that for taking your branded ass. So uh, uh, it is, okay. it's implied through the language that they use when turning him over that this guy should be lucky that he's in Metropolis because if they put him into Gotham, he'd be dead. It's hard to accept a different version of Batman, uh, a Batman mm-hmm. who has fallen, who has slid. But if we recall back to those scenes with Alfred, you know, saying new rules, you know, everything's changed. Whether or not Batman is marking these people to be recipients of more violence in prison, it's what's happening and he's not doing anything about it. He's still branding people. That's a really weird – I know the movie doesn't doesn't get into it. I don't necessarily think it needs to, but it is an interesting question about how is this associated – how is this a result of Superman appearing and what was his intent behind it? Because obviously he's he's not coordinating for these people to get killed in prison. So what was the purpose of the bat? Is he continuing branding people because he knows that they're they're dying, or does he have some other purpose behind it? And that's just an unfortunate consequence. I think Caesar's. We're, we're going to get another insight into who and what Caesar is that will kind of make that conversation a bit richer to have. But I guess I always assumed that this was part of Batman, like upping his own game in terms of after that scene that opens the movie, it makes sense to me that Batman would find a way to broaden his influence beyond even himself. You know, that it would, there'd probably be a psychological reading of him finding a way to mark people after that happened. but. Mm -hmm. I always took it as he is marking these people to send a message that is more brutal, that is more extreme and more, you know, quote unquote, legend level. Like uh, he's building an urban legend around Batman as more than just it's not what I do. It's what I leave behind. Yeah. So he's he's angry and he's hunting. Yeah, And I want these people. I want everyone to know uh, that we met and that I traumatized you and now you're marked. Yeah, And then on top of that, let's just say for whatever reason, if those people end up getting killed in prison, I would believe that Bruce, the Bruce that I've seen in this movie so far, would say that one, those people are probably deserving of it because it, he's not because we've seen it's human trafficking is, is the example we've seen, which is pretty extreme. Yeah. And two, not my problem. <laughs> you know, like mm-hmm. we've, we've definitely been introduced introduced to a Bruce that is not going to trouble himself with the suffering of criminals. Yeah, and they were killed by their own kind. Exactly. It's not my problem. It's it's you. Well, you shouldn't have done it then. Yeah, it's not like he put a mark on them and then somebody and then a hitman went and got them. No, we've always been something. criminals, Alfred. I mean, if I mark one yeah. because he deserves He's, to be marked. Yeah, and it's, and it's other criminals in prison who are doing it to them. Yeah. So he's like, if they didn't commit a crime, if they weren't in prison, if those other criminals weren't criminals, like, why? how is it, why should I worry myself about the way criminals treat other criminals in prison? <laughs> and I don't consider they call out in the write-up that he is branding them before they've been found guilty. Oh, yeah. It, it makes it clear that he is not 
a friend of the police. Like he is, it's it establishes a gap there where it is like uh, I guess it's always one of my identifiers in like a Batman story, video game, comic book, TV show, anything is when the Batman's there and the police show up. Do they draw guns on him? What is the relationship here? And this establishes yeah. that again, there is a new kind of meaning in him. It seems that the police are, I guess, complicit to let him be the Watchman, and they are certainly not going to be watching the Watchman. <laughs> Right. Or there's an uncomfortable relationship. I think we get the idea because like he uncovers the like the bat signal and stuff. I kind of get the idea that his relationship is but has been less communicative. Yeah. In recent years, you know, I don't think he's ex- exactly meeting Jim Gordon on the no. rooftop with a cup of coffee to kind of chat about criminal dealings like he, yeah. he um, is, presumably has in the past. I think when once you start hot branding <laughs> Yeah. The people that you beat up, it's kind of not something the police can, can stay behind. Uh, but again, Caesar makes it clear as he's being booked, you can't put me in with the general population, they'll kill me. We don't know that that's true in Metropolis. We know from the articles that that is absolutely true in Gotham. We're left kind of wondering what is going to happen to him. Why would someone in a Metropolis prison care about killing a guy with the bat brand is the question that you might want to ask at this point. Yeah. But easily... My second favorite, because I've already gone on record and saying that the glasses with the water uh, is is one of my favorite cuts in the theatrical and ultimate difference conversation. My favorite one added for this is as Caesar is being taken into the prison, we get in the same shot an officer coming to tell Wallace Keefe that he has made bail. Yeah, I love how kind of seamless that transition is it, it's i don't know it's very it feels very like almost tarantino in a way <laughs> like how it's just got that like free-flowing story aspect of like yeah of course yeah. these guys are at the same place let's go i like it so much because it's just communicating that these stories are happening alongside each other and not anything big it's not a stylistic flourish Right, anything. exactly. But the stories, it, it's keeping them both in mind at the same time of like, hmm, maybe this, you know, if if these strings are so close to each other, maybe they go back to the same puppet master. Yeah. I believe that Minute 58 ends with Keith being told that he makes bail and we are left wondering how. Yeah. Who paid? This next minute, but <laughs> I, it's a little bit frustrating when we don't get to end a minute like that, where it's like, that'd be perfect. Who paid? End of minute. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now we're left with the riddle of who, who paid. You know, we, we have Keith and Caesar both fall out of Bruce in and out of the Batman identity that have now crossed going into and coming out of the prison. And we may be about to find out that there is one guy behind both. Oh, that's actually really interesting how they're both products of Bruce that he become... Literally mark both of them. And then they become property of, of Lex. No bourbon. <laughs> no bourbon. Yeah, we need more Lex soon. Oh, uh, we got him coming up. Yeah, and our first F bomb. Man, you know what to do to people with dishonor? Right, he's on you. Let's go. 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 Let's go.